Visible is a wireless carrier that is not invisible. It is pretty clear from the name, actually, radio waves are invisible. And I can say this with authority as a licensed amateur radio operator. That being said, Visible won't be giving you the power to see light outside the visible spectrum. It's actually way better because having that ability would make getting around very difficult and distracting. What you do get with Visible is unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You get one line of wireless, just $25 a month, which is great in these times of economic uncertainty. That is one line for $25, taxes and fees included. So whatever you're doing at this moment, please stop. Switch immediately. Now, monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Nintendo! Nintendo Voice Chat for the week of January 25th, 2017. I'm Jose Otero, and this is IGN's Nintendo Show. Joining us this week, returning guest, Stephen Lynn. Thanks for having me. We have Brian Altano. What's up? And we have Per Schneider. Hello. So this week on Nintendo Voice Chat, we've got a pretty cool show for you. First, we're going to catch up with these guys and talk a little bit about last week's Fire Emblem Direct. Then we're going to jump into what we want to call the Nintendo Roller Coaster, and you're going to find out what that is. And then Steven here collects a lot of video games, and we're going to go through some of some interesting stories from his collection and some interesting pieces he brought in today. But let's kick things off with uh, Fire Emblem Direct. Now, last week we talked about it, so we're not going to run it down just curious to hear from you guys what did you think of it um you're the biggest fire emblem fan i know pair so let's start with you uh they announced way more stuff than i expected i thought they would come out with uh the, obviously that the event was centered around uh, uh around the, the mobile game mm-hmm. announcement and that they would go into detail and by the way you know like it's what i expected i didn't expect a full-fledged fire emblem game uh we'll we'll talk a little bit about the gacha mechanics and how that's going to turn out but but you know I, I was cool with it it looks a little bit like a fire emblem imposter you know like the the artwork it's like slightly off you can tell it's not core is core franchise title but i was expecting a 3ds announcement of sorts or dlc or something what we got was fire emblem gaiden a return of that game coming yeah, to yeah, 3DS. Yeah, a game based on Gaiden. Uh, it has a different subtitle, but yeah. still like a cool Fire Emblem 3DS game we didn't know about. Awesome surprise. So Gaiden, that was the, the second game in the Fire Emblem series, has never been released uh, here. Um, so I, I was super happy to hear about that. That was the game that um, for the first time had an assist mechanic between like uh, Alm and uh, Selica, the, the main characters. So something that you consider to be a staple of the series now was introduced with that game, like the overworld map where you can like pick your mission, all that kind of stuff came in uh, Kim and Gaiden. So really, really happy to see that introduced. But then they announced 
that they would be supporting the Switch with a Fire Emblem game. And like you may say, okay, no-brainer. I don't think it's a no-brainer because we haven't seen one in a while, obviously, on a console. Mm. And maybe it's that hybrid portable uh, nature of the machine that makes it, uh, you know, more of a target. But I thought that was great. Yeah, Fire Emblem hasn't been on a console since we, we, you, we didn't see one. And then we have Fire Emblem Warriors, but that's a spin-off game. Uh, What do you guys think? Oh, well, I mean, I was actually surprised that there was so much of it. Yeah. Um, I heard Fire Emblem event. It's like, okay, so we'll see one or two games, and then it's four. Um, it almost seemed like they assigned everyone to make a Fire Emblem game, and they didn't want to cut any of the ideas that came out. <laughs> um, so they're like, oh, okay, that one's good, too. That one, Heroes Do you think they, they made up the Switch game, like, minutes before the event? They're like, oh, this is in a Switch yeah, game. Yeah, come on. Like, you do this. We'll just retest this one, right? Why yeah. not? Yeah. yeah. Um, the other part for me, obviously, uh, having been in the mobile games industry, was looking at Fire Emblem Heroes and how much more aggressive the monetization mm-hmm. is yeah. on that game. I mean, to Paris point, it, it looks like they kind of reskinned an engine that DNA had lying around, you know, with the Fire Emblem character. Characters and you know we could talk about what that's going to probably mean in terms of the gameplay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was interesting coming off of uh, Super Mario Run, which they got chastised for like not sort of nickel and diming enough with. Um, which I gladly threw ten dollars at and played probably for fifteen hours. Like I mm-hmm. almost I like ninety nine point nine percent of that game. Real quick, there's the the end game in that game is so damn frustrating because <laughs> the only thing left that I have to unlock is this like green eight bit Luigi, and you have to get twenty five hundred green toads to get it, which takes like forty hours, and it's just. Damn it, Nintendo! Why? And I have to get it because it's the only thing I'm missing, and I'm just crazy like. Did that. you get all the coins? Oh, you yeah. got them all? Yeah, I'm, oh, I'm, right. I'm maxed out on coins. I have nine, 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 nine. Well, I mean, it is. It I is got all the, the black coins, all the, yeah, all yeah, the purple coins. It, it is the opposite monetization model, yeah. right? Like you right. have the the console kind of handheld traditional model of paying something big up front. And there were a couple levels you could try, obviously. But now you got something that's very much a mobile game where, you know, you monetize through orbs and a certain randomness factor and like getting ahead in the game by purchasing stuff, right? Yeah, right. it's a different monetization method, you know. Pokemon and Super Mario Run relies on tons, like millions of downloads and a small sliver of those people paying. You know, Fire Emblem is a much more niche product. You're going to have fewer people pay, fewer people playing it, but they're relying on the fact that the average revenue per paying user is going to be much higher. Like if you look at these games in Japan, some of them make, you know, hundreds if not thousands of dollars per paying user and mm-hmm. that's really the monetization message and is that do you expect it to be like puzzle and dragon like just kind of looking at the footage did you get a sense of how you know what kind of approach they will take with well, this game I, or more like strict like much more kind of like more hooks more monetization more like oh you need to you need to pull the lever and pay to get your secret next character i think yeah so they said the orbs are how you get characters um they've also said that there's pvp so there's player versus player there's arena and there's events right Uh so they can do a bunch of things like for events they can charge for energy that you need to play the event Mm -hmm. and the event is only 20 hours long so you gotta pay in um and then if they excuse me if they go for the regular drop rates for really rare characters like i think people now understand sort of the magic crate or or whatever opening up Mm -hmm. cards um you know, they've had drop rates in previous games that are 0.01% drop rate, uh-huh. things like that, right? So you're going to be opening tons of packs or orbs and getting a lot of duplicate characters. They can do special 
edition characters, you know, like Pikachu with the Santa hat. And mm-hmm, so yeah. you can have like special edition Marth or something. I, yeah. uh, I play a lot of Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes. Right. And they do this really cool event-based thing there. And it's like the gameplay itself is is pretty bare bones. It's kind of basic. There's even a button in the corner you can hit that'll just auto-battle for you. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. I, I like on the train. I'm just like, oh, I'm leveling up without really trying. But every now and then they're like, Yoda pops up and he's like, there's an event and you need four or five-star <clears> Jedis. <throat> yes. Yeah. <laughs> 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 900 years old you become uh so 900 bucks you charge yeah. <laughs> oh, no. so, the weird thing about the game is like i actually can't really give it a lot of money because there's like uh you can just kind of grind and get everything you need but every now and then there's an event and you need a bunch of like four or five star jedis to fight mm-hmm. and fight yoda and if you get enough you unlock them so i can see fire Emblem doing that and sort mm-hmm. of saying like every now and then there's a special thing you have to bring these certain characters in the only way to get those characters is to buy them piecemeal or unlock them through some sort of tedium um, but I like that, but it's got sort of like a capsule toy mechanic. Yeah. yeah so gotcha. I'm not a big, right. I'm not a big fire emblem guy. Uh, I like, I love, <laughs> I love the art style and I love, I love the character direction, the art direction, character design and stuff like that. The gameplay to me is a little bit sort of like, it's, it's a little bit too deep past the advanced wars that I kind of want, mm-hmm. but I'm incredibly hooked on capsule toys and stuff like that and action figures and well, collecting and yeah. you will like spending your money so, on this so, one. Yeah. yeah, so why don't you guys explain like what is the gotcha system exactly for someone who's listening for the first time and really quickly I didn't do a great job of explaining this at the start of the program but uh, our good friend and aw- awesome friend of the show uh, Stephen Lynn uh, used to work in the mobile gaming space has a right. ton of experience ran a studio at one point like he can tell you a lot about this 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 business and this model yeah so uh, the what they actually called it in the press conference was gotcha um, which comes from Gachapon, which is the capsule toy, mm-hmm. right? So you put in money, turn the thing, and try to collect all of all of the toys. Um, that's been used in Japanese games for over 10, 15 years now. Um, it came to the U.S. about five, six years ago, I think we started seeing with like Rage of Bahamut and mm-hmm. games like that. Um, so it's really random draw, right? Yeah. Or there's percentage chance drops yeah. for different things. And so there's usually there's um, you know low rare like common rare ultra rare everything like that and things that are really rare have very low drop rates so you might buy a bunch of these orbs i think they showed a quick screenshot of the um of the store and they were pretty expensive. I think, you know, right. we used to, like a crate is maybe three to five dollars. Um, now, now, like Nintendo it, fans, I think specifically are used to a system like this. Now, it wasn't integral to the gameplay, but in Smash Brothers, you have a giant capsule toy machine where you unlock right. little things. Right. Now, you're not like leveling them up or anything like that or trading them in, but well, heaven forbid you paid to get the Smash currency to have to unlock oh toys. Boy. Like, right. That, that's right. a whole, but, like, don't yeah, even I mean, say but it. here it's, I mean, Magic uh, the Gathering, like yeah, card yeah, games, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, you're getting more packs because you know there's this ultra rare card and the attraction in magic is like well you can use it either you use it in play and it's part of your deck and people go like oh i've never seen this card before or it may even be worthless in battle but it's rare and so it's actually has real life worth right like Mm -hmm. you can sell it exactly but in these games like they also appeal to the completionist attitude where there there is a set of items right Right. like in in the 3ds badge system right you're like oh man i'm missing that one and so i'm gonna put one more coin in right Right. And so this this will rely on a lot of draws, I think. It all depends on how aggressive they want to get on on the uh the monetization, right? Mm-hmm. There's been events where people spent, you know, thousands of dollars. I think there's a a couple examples people streaming on YouTube where everybody's cheering that person on in the beginning and then once they cross like that five hundred dollar mark or something, like everybody's like, just stop, please stop. Please stop, please stop buying. <laughs> you have orbs. to pay rent. Right. Stop. Yeah. So um yeah, it, it, it's it's something that this is the first time you <laughs> feel bad. 
bad. Yeah, yeah. They, they start feeling bad. I think it's the difference between like cheering somebody on at a table like in in, in Vegas. Oh yeah, and oh, then being like, same. dude, you need yeah. help. Like we need to bring you to. Yeah, yeah. I see but, it as the same, but maybe I'm just not a big oh, fan yeah, of gambling. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. so yeah, I mean, with Fire Emblem, there there's a lot of characters, there's a lot of different outfits and styles and everything. So you know, the characters themselves are going to be a big draw with the orbs, but there's also based off what they said, a lot of different ways. Like we're talking, you know, a, a consumable energy mm-hmm. that you do not have enough by default, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So you need to spend to buy it. And if they go into something like guild battles, if you can start teaming up with other people and have guild versus guild, those are, that's, you know, how, um, you know, the, the big mobile games are making money, right? right? right. It's not individual players. It's everybody pressuring you to spend to yeah. keep us like, Which competitive. Nintendo has never really uh, sort of preyed on or even optimized gently. Uh, the idea of mm. playing a Nintendo game is something you usually do on your own time at home or maybe on your 3DS whenever, and it's always ready to go. I mean, you've mm-hmm. looked at stuff like, you know, uh, that Rusty's baseball game where you had a piecemeal little mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't like, oh, Rusty's tired. You can wake him up with some right. money. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, this, this is kind of where this is going. Yeah, game, right? Yeah. And DNA does understand right, how to right, right. those type of well, games. Yeah, yeah and uh, as homework for uh, Fire Emblem Heroes, I actually started playing, and this was on recommendation of Justin Davis, who's our features editor, uh, Record Keeper, Record Keeper yeah. because that, uh, if, if you know your mobile history or your mobile games, you know that DNA made that game. I think shortly before or way before they were acquired, uh, Nintendo put a huge stake in that company mm-hmm. and entered that business capital alliance, as they called it. Yep. Um, and I will say that the time I've spent with it, if Fire Emblem leans more towards that model, which he praises that model. It seems like most people praise the way Record Keeper handled it. Record Keeper part. is a lot more friendly yeah, than a lot of the fair. other games. Yeah, yeah. Fair, right? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think they had a controversy over the summer where they changed drop rates like halfway through an event, okay. something like that. But, yeah. but it is a lot more friendly than some of the other ones that I've seen. Yeah, and, and I'm having a good time with it. I didn't think that I would enjoy uh, a, lot of the, a lot of mobile games that are based around gotcha mechanics, especially like the idea of energy that's renewable and you got to walk away. I find it that it works out way better for my phone than it ever could for my for my 3DS, for example. Like right. I feel like I've played some games on there that tried that, and I just had no interest because right. it's not the same kind of platform. I think for a phone, it makes more sense too because you don't want something to kill your battery. You want a right. quick session and then get out. It also um, it also can catch you at a time where you're like, I really want a video game right now. Like yeah. you're waiting for something that gets delayed by half an hour. You're stuck mm-hmm. on a train in the morning. Yep. You're like, I want to play this game and I can't. But if I throw it two dollars. I mean, what's two dollars? Like it cost yeah. me two fifty just to get on the train. Right. So, like, yeah, here you go. Here's my money. Yeah. So yeah. they'll be aggressive, but I, I just hope that uh, DNA, you know, sort of talks some sense into how they should approach it. Mm. But because we've seen them go expensive before, me. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what was it? Um, Oh my goodness, I can't believe I already forgot the name of it. But the, the first app that we got from Mitomo? Nintendo, Mitomo, yeah. had, what, $90 transactions in it. Mm-hmm. But you had no reason to really ever go near it. It was hard, to, of the hard w- to even find. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it, some people didn't even know they were there, exactly. Right. Whereas this thing, it will be way more direct uh, in terms of how it's going to roll that stuff out. It would at least appear so, given that the system that it's relying yeah. on. Yeah. To, to Perrin and Brian's point about mm-hmm. the whole collection mechanic, um, yeah, Record Keeper has autoplay, yeah. which sounds ridiculous, right? Like, why would you want the game to play itself? It's yes. like, sometimes you want that to happen, right? Yeah. I don't want to go through this battle. I'll just let it battle itself, and then I'll get the rewards so I can get more orbs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually, I mean, I would play more RPGs if they were like that in general. It's like the game I was just talking about before. Like, you can 
kind of nudge it along. Like mm-hmm. I can be like, hey, Chewbacca, beat the hell out of Wicket the Ewok. Right. But other than that, like I hit the button and he's just doing it on his own. So I kind of like that. It's passive. It gives me an opportunity to sort of like check out my environment and my surroundings in the real universe that I'm in. You know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. sort of just be like, I can hit a button, put it in my pocket, walk down the street, go out to get a coffee, reach in and be like, oh, I won. Yeah. yeah. Like that's kind of cool. Well, it's an acknowledgement <laughs> that the game is not very deep, right? And yes. that's not that's really why sure. you're paying yeah. for it. It's like, yeah, but you're entertained enough. Yeah. Just get rid of the stuff. That and we're seeing that with heroes, especially given that everything happens on one screen, yeah. right. you're not like scanning this massive battleground. And I, I want to see how that sort of sure. translates. And it definitely works better for specific genres. Like if you did that with Super Mario and you went to collect your <laughs> phone and he's on the top of the flagpole, you'd be like, Oh, oh, good for you. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, so no, totally. The autoplay, yeah. <laughs> yep. All right, so then uh, let's head over to segment two, uh, which is all about uh, what we affectionately are calling the Nintendo roller coaster. Now, hang on. Before you close the browser window, this is a segment where we're basically going to come at the Nintendo Switch, the device itself. Last week, we talked a little bit about the, the presentation and sort mm-hmm. of how we felt. But now it's coming at, okay, now that everything we see is out there, all the information we have out there, how do we feel about Switch? Uh, and we're going to name one good thing, and we're going to name one concerning thing. I think that's really important for us to do. I, I, so, I hope they put a Nintendo roller coaster in their theme park. We'll see. Um, but uh, who wants to kick it off? Because I asked everyone to kind of list theirs, and I actually didn't get to list mine because I was waiting. Right, so I'm, I'm going to go last. So you, you get some You're time. changing your yeah. so You're going to lead the off. We do yeah, the Should we do roller coaster is already down for me. I'm picking track two right now. So what? Like bad thing first? Bad thing first, good thing then. Like start with a good thing. You, yeah, start with yeah? a good thing. Yeah, Let's kick it off on. positive. Everybody's been beating up. All right. Yeah, and everybody yeah, loves the yeah. good news. When someone's like good news, good bad news. You want to hear? All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna say hardware because um you know I've uh, just kind of reading feedback and people are equating this device to the power of an Xbox One or a PS4, um, which of course it 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 does not deliver that same sort of oomph. I actually think they got a lot right with the hardware. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, there's the kind of the attractiveness factor of a piece of hardware that you look at and you just want to mess around with. And like consoles can be really boring boxes, right? Um, they can be very boring to interact with. They built this kind of cool mechanic with the docking and the sliding of the controllers. Like all of that kind of stuff appeals to me. Like I, right. I just want to, I just want to take it. I want to take it out there and I want to play with this thing. It's very, it's got that sort of tangible nature to where you just want to pick it up, which I think yeah. when, when you look at the design of the Wii U, the gamepad itself was like kind of chunky and funny looking, but the console itself was probably the most boring looking video yeah. game console yeah. ever made. Yeah. It's just like this like weird, like oval square rectangle. It was just like, oh, that's fine. Whereas like I look at this machine and it's it's different like mm-hmm. it's just like there's no other device like it like yeah. my ipad doesn't look like that my mm-hmm. ipad can't do the weird stuff with the controllers and so Dude. when you then drill down like obviously you know power wise it's not going to live up to these other machines but it's it's respectable right like if you think of a a beautiful wii u game like mario kart 8 and then you put it on a screen and you take it with you there's nothing like that. There's nothing yeah. like that, right? Well, and I like, say that, like every demo station I went to, I was compelled to constantly take yeah, controllers off, stuff. put them you, back you on, hold it. It right. didn't wax matter. On, wax like off. even mm-hmm. if I was just take, I'd done it like three other stations ago. It was still like this, I, this impulse of like, okay, new demo station, rip them off. Okay, yeah. put them in the dock. All right, play with the grip. All right, put them back on. Okay, take it, up the. Mm-hmm. Like you just, you can't help it. You kind of get wrapped up in wanting to constantly do it. Didn't and then no, and then no, yeah. and then with the uh, uh, please, I mean, wait, the, the the other. 
attractiveness factor, like the other thing about the hardware is just the versatility. And like it can be quite overwhelming, right? Like if you remember the Wii U days, you, you, you had all these different controllers and it can be daunting. And I think this one slims it down. It still has a lot of plastic pieces, but I love how versatile it is that, you know, like it can convert into this travel system where you instantly have a two player setup, which we never had with Vita, right? Yeah, like you right. take your Vita out. It's a solitary experience no matter what. With this thing, they're really encouraging that, that kind of communal playing and you can easily set it up. Like if you're, if you're with your buddy on the bus, you can just hand them a controller and like and there's, there's, you there's don't no think about sensor it. bar with a 30 foot yep. cable <laughs> and there's no like weird little yeah. like uh, nunchuck with a dongle on like all those funny yeah. Yeah. ropes yeah. you had just sitting in your drawers after yeah. the Wii well, and the Wii U. When, when was the last time a console came with two controllers? Yeah. yeah. Effectively. Yeah. yeah. Right? Famicom. And, it, Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, so it's been a really long that's that's really You didn't have a choice yeah. with the and original Famicom. Yeah. They were wired hardwired in. Hard wired in but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll get to my bad my bad thing in a second, yeah. but like also when you just take uh when you just take the Joy-Con, you know, the little game pad, which is of course that's the on-the-go solution to turn it sideways, but um there's a lot of stuff in that thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. and just like it no, it doesn't have analog triggers like, you know, the Digital. PlayStation or the Xbox One controller would. Um it does have a battery unlike the Xbox One controller though, right? Like you don't have to pay extra for that and you have two of them in the pack of course. But man, the HD Rumble, I think it's very clever that we're experimenting with it on the Xbox. I love the the Rumble triggers, right? I, that was a cool innovation for me. Uh on the PlayStation controller, I like the touchpad, but this one has N- NFC in it and it has that IR camera in it, right. which we right. have not seen in a controller like that before mm-hmm. you know yeah, and it's the it's probably the source of the wackiest things you'll ever do with this thing from right. yep. your hand shape and where like it is in, in proximity to it to even you, did you see that one two switch game where you're holding it up yeah. and sort of nibbling at a the sandwich, you're, sandwich. Not, yeah, yeah, nibbling. Yeah. you're just straight up chomping yeah we right had that we had that running on the live stream here in, the, in like the editorial pit <laughs> in ign and we're all just like what are we doing with our lives? Like this <laughs> right? is this is incredible. But what yeah. that and to me as an age old Nintendo fan who loved the wackiness of Nintendo experiments like WarioWare Twisted, like when I see all these little things that they built into these Swiss Army knives, like I get excited as to what they can do with it. Now you know that doesn't protect them from like they need to convince other developers to use these tools yeah. in a smart way that it's not annoying. Because remember Waggle, right? Like right. any motion was turned into Waggle even if it didn't have to, and that's terrible. Mm-hmm. But I I hope companies have grown up and are using this more these features for for good rather than just because they're there so i'm yeah. really excited about I totally the hardware that. Mm-hmm. i think it, there's it there's an interesting sort of like jack of all trades thing that the controllers are doing right yep. now i'm hoping it's not like a master of none um the cost of that is obviously being passed down to the consumer and if those aren't effectively used by any developers then you're basically spending 80 dollars for controllers that you might not get to utilize every cool aspect mm-hmm. of. but there is a lot of great ideas in them and i hope it sort of sparks some creativity yeah. in developers to do cool and crazy stuff because that's when Nintendo's at their best. Yep. I just hope that uh, it, at the same time there is the expectation from the audience that not every... I feel like we've seen Nintendo introduce ideas to their platforms. You know, we mm-hmm. had like 3D, for example, being a major selling point for 3DS. We had, uh, you know, the Wii Motion Plus, which was eventually like the redone mm-hmm. Wii Remote, like the way it should have been from the start. The patch. But, yeah, but we got there. Like we got to the point where the technology was cheap and we can put that out. And then slowly they built it into everything. But one thing that you have noticed too when Nintendo has these experiments is that I feel like the expectations for how often they should use them and what they should use them for are all over the place from their fans. Yeah, yeah. I feel like the minute there were games they were putting out on digital shops that they were not uh, no 3D supported something like Box Boy it mm-hmm. becomes right. well then why is this here yeah. you know or etc like you can even point to I'm pretty sure plenty of other like tiny experiments the company has tried where 
they kind of just put their hands up because they didn't want to force it. There were times where they did and there were times where they didn't. But I feel like then it became this huge talking point. Well, then why is it here? But yeah. then there's also times when it is there and it actually hinders the overall scope of what the, the, the final product could have been. I look at something like Star Fox, which came so late in the game oh, of like yeah. experimenting with dual screen gaming that I think that some of that kind of got in the way of what would have been a more, it's like kind of more classic arcadey traditional game. Same as um, Paper Mario. So, but... You know, but it, that, it's but tough, that right? was though the screen on the Wii U gamepad was that console's feature. That right, was the right. big differentiating factor. Yeah. I, f- I don't feel like the differentiating factor here is that it has you know distinct marbles and a controller rumble or anything. Those are just kind of like the bells and whistle on top that hopefully inspire developers. And that's what sure, I right? people to and see I like that, that about yeah. that machine. Yeah, I like that about yeah. it. The core conceit of this machine is same experience on the go that you're getting at home. And guess what? That experience at home is better than what you got on the Wii U. Yeah. And that's pretty amazing feat and, to pull and, that off as a handheld yeah, right like when better, the vita came out we didn't say oh these graphics are so crappy right like we're like man this is a nice device right. with a bright oled screen yeah. and like it, it was just a cool device mm-hmm. um ultimately it was undone by the software support right and no, hopefully and, and we're what not better seeing game that to live up to what you're talking about mm-hmm. than zelda breath of the wild at long totally. regardless of it being a wii u game it is very much a game that no portable platform that i can think of has executed something like that yeah like yeah. that is so cool i mean even if it's it's a feature like the HD Rumble that's only used in one game. But mm-hmm. if that experience really pulls you into that game, then you know it's worth it, right? To, Mission to point out. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't need to have every single game have HD Rumble. I just need it for someone who it's part of their vision uh, on, in terms of what they want to make in the game. Yeah, and it, they use it. it was like playing Twilight Princess where I was like, okay, like the waggle's not doing it for me, right. but pointing is. Yeah. Like the pointer controls yeah. in that game were phenomenal. Yeah. And being on day one being like, I'm shooting arrows and hook shots with pointer controls. I remember like that the that Sky Temple where you have dual hook shots. And right? you heard yeah. the and sound like, come from yeah, the controller. You heard yeah, the, yeah. There was something I'm really catching bugs about that. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah really cool yeah. stuff. Yeah. 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 All right, you're bad. So that's that's these that was the good. And by the way, there there are a couple of like I did a little controller comparison between all the different controllers. Like there are differences, right? Like the 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 switch controller does not have a speaker like that. Mm-hmm. What you just described from the Wii, you couldn't do on there. Whereas you know the that. PlayStation One has a has you know, obviously has lights and a speaker, and the uh, the Xbox One and the PS4 One have like a direct. Uh, low latency mode when you plug it into USB. We don't know enough about this, but we do know that they don't have a USB the, port on right. them, right? Uh, the speaker yeah. thing so directly hours yeah. battery. The speaker life. thing directly mm-hmm. bums yeah. me out about uh, uh, Suda announcing a new No More Heroes game yeah. because I want to be able oh, to yeah. answer my phone uh, in the game. That was uh, awesome. Well, they do. Yeah. They well, they can simulate you picking it up with the IR yeah. stuff now. Yeah. But so the bad is inevitably it's a no brainer. It's price, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Three hundred bucks is a lot for a handheld device. It's not a lot for a console, but it is a lot when you compare it to the other two machines out on the market where you, obviously an Xbox starts at like mm-hmm. 250 So price is a concern, but I think more price when you really take in all the other little things that you have to pay for. Like the dock priced at 80 bucks is not okay to me, right? Like, I thought it was 90. 90. Not 90. 90. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. so a dock, not everybody needs a dock. And so maybe it becomes this luxury item for people with two TVs. Clearly, but, 90 bucks is luxury. Right? But, but, but 90, 90 is stupid because the actual machine costs you 300, right? And like you really got to start thinking at that price point. But it's, it's more like all the little things on top of it, right? Like if you want to do a wired connection, you're going to need the USB wired adapter. If you want to charge your controller when it's not attached to the device, you're going to have to buy this, the charge grip for 30 bucks because the grip included is not a charger right like all those little the things pro controller 
Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Pro- Frozen Pros bucks. is yeah. that's very expensive compared now. to the fifty nine dollar yeah. Dual Shock Four and the Xbox One S controller, which are both really really good controllers, by the way. Right. Not as much as an Elite controller or something, but you know, obviously, um, it's a lot. Now that said, a full package, a switch with four controllers, if you're willing to go small, is actually a lot cheaper than buying an Xbox or a PlayStation Four with four controllers. Again, Xbox doesn't have chargeable battery packs yeah. either, right? Mm-hmm. And so when you stack them up against each other, it's not that the the switch is outrageously priced when you go for a full four player setup, but it's just a hard pill to swallow. Swallow, I think, when you when you look at the the power of the machine when you connect it to a TV compared yeah. to the others. Also, it's also understanding. Sorry, just the yeah. convenience of what it is. Because mm-hmm. I feel like in the comparisons to platforms, I mean, those other two, when you go out on a trip, they stay home. Yep, like, yeah. and that's yeah. where they're going to be. And you yeah. can do all the wireless yeah. remote connection you can. And some of the technology on that stuff has progressed, and it's been cool. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, that's still not a thing that you took with you. And I think that is a very sure. special selling point for this but, thing. Yeah. I've and, seen some folks suggest will they ever separate those two things i don't think that's a reality for them i think that the switch concept is home portable right and and tabletop mode which was weird but that's a third mode (laughs) yeah i'm still figuring i i I, i've seen a lot of price comparisons to uh to the xbox one controller to the dualshock 4 dualshock 4 is probably my favorite video game controller of all time it's just fantastic but the battery life on it is like five hours and on the the switch pro controller it's like 40 hmm. and it's got nfc built in so you're paying ten dollars more it's actually weird to me that the pro controller on the switch lasts 40 hours and the unit itself lasts two and a half like i wish those two could talk to each other <laughs> be like dude how do you last this beaming so power over <laughs> i think yeah. it's two battery tips i think two and a half will definitely be the bottom of like playing yeah. on wi-fi yeah. with in a multiplayer yep. game yep. Mm-hmm. i think you'll get more playtime out of it yeah, yeah. 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 i think happens, where yeah. the 300 is actually going to hurt even more is the fact that it is a portable device mm-hmm. It's probably going to be breakage, or you're going to yeah. lose a controller, mm-hmm. right? I mean, how, you can't walk down the block without getting an iPhone repair shop. Mm-hmm. So people are going to be dropping that thing, with, especially with kids. You're going to be losing Joy-Cons. So that's what kind of worries me. It's like, this thing's 300 bucks. We'll throw it into a bag, but is some, are yeah. some people going to be wary yeah, of doing I think that, the costs right? start stacking up very quickly. When you look at the console itself, two ninety nine. Yeah. I'm still kind of bummed it doesn't come with a pack-in game or anything like that. Right. Um, but to have the console itself and have the Joy-Cons and the, and the grip, which is, by the way, the grip is such a weird thing that it doesn't actually charge... And, but they sell one that does. Mm-hmm. And the only way to get this thing is in the is in the system itself. You can't buy that thing piecemeal, mm-hmm. right. like a non charging grip. So Nintendo is effectively selling you this piece of hardware, this peripheral mm-hmm. that doesn't exist outside of its own containment unit. I find that very odd. <laughs> there will be third party grips, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, you you get the console for two ninety nine plus, you know tax, shipping, all that other stuff, yeah. whatever you need. And all of a sudden you buy the Pro Controller, maybe you want the charging grip, maybe you buy some other stuff. You're looking at like $500 yeah. all of a sudden. Day one. And yeah, right? that's without a it'll, game. So. It'll add, and that's, yeah. you know, I think that's where the comparison is unfavorable because if you go back to when the Vita came out and you look at the Vita, it's like the Vita didn't have the option to expand that way, yeah. and so it never looked as daunting and as expensive. And mm-hmm. so what Nintendo is doing now is they keep on saying, no, it's a console, right? Yeah. Like when people say, well, but it's different, it's a handheld, and look how good the graphics are for a handheld, Nintendo still has to say, no, it's a console because they want to justify the high price. Mm-hmm. And I like, feel like it's like when you're on the highway and there's like a motorcycle that goes in like the other lane. It's yeah. like, I'm a bike, and then it's like, I'm a car again. <laughs> and the cop's like, I just want to pull yeah. you over and give you a ticket. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. yeah. All right, uh, so let's move on. Who wants to go next either brian or steve i'll go next all right uh so um let's see what you wrote 
I love the idea that the Nintendo Switch is bringing console quality gaming yeah. anywhere you want. Uh, I think the Vita experimented with this. I think you mentioned before about the sort of like, we looked at the graphics about how they weren't as great as the PS3 yeah. at the time. We weren't as judgmental on it because uh, I think we kind of had a feeling that Sony would get a lot of third-party support on that. Whereas on Nintendo, we're like three or four consoles in a row now being like, where's the third-party support? Get on the phone and fix it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that you can play a game like Zelda on the go anywhere is stunning. Uh, I want to see more and more stuff like that. Even Skyrim, which is like, you know, a couple years old. But the idea of that is great. Getting on a cross-country flight, flying to Germany for Gamescom, mm-hmm. and playing nine hours of Skyrim is, is crazy, or however long I can plug in for. Um, that being said, uh, the storage issue is still something that's... This is I, your bad. This is yeah, your bad. This is my right, bad. All right. The, yeah. good, the good is obviously that like... Oh, here's the thing. And here's yeah. a quick caveat, and, and you're going to hate me for this, Stephen, but uh, I go all digital these days i do too actually. you do what yeah, yeah. I, i've but you're been, a collector I've been, yes i'm a collector but i've been digital on most of my consoles wow. since well, you buy them twice probably no actually i don't i don't oh. buy steel books or anything yeah interesting I, I went digital um that makes me feel so much better <laughs> well to actually quickly to your point when I, I was in japan for about six weeks and that was when last guardian came out right mm-hmm. and i saw all these like videos and i wanted to play it so i ended up buying a ps4 in japan to connect to my hotel tv That's dedication so that i could right play the game right if i had something portable i would have done that and, oh and by the way the God. you know i i own a vita i own the original unit and i, I really like the device but i kind of stopped playing games after a while and just kind of playing the games included with mm-hmm. a ps plus subscription right. right but like on vita vita was striving to be the console on the go but the uncharted we got was not the naughty dog uncharted yeah. right? right like we got we got the little brother always on that yeah. machine whereas like we're not getting hyrule warriors as our main zelda game we're getting the getting zelda, zelda, zelda game, right so my my concern with all this is obviously as a as a German. guy who wants to go all digital uh, i'm hearing from a lot of people who predominantly do go digital like mm. don't do it with the switch and i'm like no i'm going to push back against that because i know it comes with 32 gigs of onboard memory but it expands up to two terabytes using micro sd cards now yeah. those don't exist yet yeah it's a lot of money man money yeah Jesus. so uh and 200 bucks what, for 256 already right? well so like, the pricing is getting really weird on all this so it's like 40 bucks for like uh for like 100 or 120 or something mm-hmm, like that mm-hmm. and then for for 200 gigs it's like 60 and you're like cool things are looking good and then you go to like 250 <laughs> and it jumps up like 150 dollars it's like so, tvs like yeah, yeah. once you go beyond six, 65 inches it, right. it's uh, twice so the price. somebody in the podcast beyond facebook group uh gave me a good tip which are uh, basically with the samsung recall uh people were sending in their phones and being told to keep their they could keep their memory cards and getting those replaced so they're actually kept a lot of like 256 gig micro sd cards which are now on ebay for very very cheap i was able to get huh. one for like 70 yeah. bucks are you serious so now i'm pretty future proofed for a while but uh again the micro sd card racket on ebay is like there's fake ones there's people that resell them reskill like reskin 32 gig ones and stuff like that so that's sort of the, the storage issue it gets weird now that's not even docked. The last few Nintendo consoles have sort of had this like hidden octopus problem of right. like, if you look at the Wii U, it's like, oh, here's a sleek machine. It's got everything right there. And then you need that external hard drive, which needs its own mm-hmm. power unit and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So I don't know if we're going to be able to get an external hard drive for the dock. Um, what transferring things from there to the switch is going to look like. I think that gets too complicated. I think so too. I think so too. So, too. Yeah. So I think, so, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think it just gets, it starts getting yeah. confusing. So, um, 
I don't know. We want console quality games. Console yeah. quality games are like 30, 40, 50 gigs now. Yeah. The system itself holds 32. Yeah. Zelda takes a third of 13, that. 13. 13. I so think, yeah. we're already like day one. I think you're, if you bought three, you know, maybe three or four out of the five or six launch games, you'd already be pretty packed digitally. Yeah. See, I well, always buy... Really, it's installing, though, right? Right. If, yeah, if you're buying them digitally. Yeah. Yeah, I, buying them I digitally. buy... So, and obviously, you know, if, if you have multiple Switches in a household, like mine with kids, like you want to buy a cartridge because there's yeah. no family sharing between the units, right? right? Like, so you want to be able to take it out and, and give it to somebody else. Account. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, well, we so, don't know that one. So yeah. I think there might be some, yeah. some, some hope well, at the end of that one. I there's hope something so. coming, yeah. I, but... Uh, um, I, I buy single-player games that have kind of like a finite campaign. I buy them on cartridge. And right. anything like mm-hmm. I, Puyo Tetris, I would buy that digitally because I want to have that on my machine. Yeah. Or something like Picross. Yeah. I want to take it with me everywhere. So I, I kind of pick and choose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally more, agree with you. More yeah. because I'm worried about running out of storage, yeah. too. I, I do feel like, though, it's not a unique problem to Nintendo, right? I do think, mm-hmm. though, that 32 gigabytes is too small. Yeah. I'm going to just say like flat mm-hmm. up up front, like that... You know, it, it it stunned me that they didn't bring it up during the conference. But when mm-hmm. I saw the number, I was like, maybe that's why. Like Zach right. said that last week, and the more I think about it, the more that seems true. But I do think that the SD card solution they've come up with, the micro SD solution, is a good one because yeah. I feel like I'm it's in the better same than boat. the Vita, right? Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Which, those, were, those are still. I think it costs more than a well, Vita. Well, those are proprietary. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, I forgot exactly about that. But that. my other yeah. part of this is that it's not a problem exclusive to them, just because like I am, you know, I, I own a PlayStation Four, I've owned my Xbox One, and I go all digital on every purchase and it it bums me out and I've talked about this on the show before but that I have to delete purchases when I get a new game I'm just like it's driving me nuts I'm at the point where like I'm okay I'm either buying a new machine which Mm -hmm. is a little too expensive I should just get the hard drive like that's the solution and and that's clearly the solution here you're going to pay for the expanded storage just for the peace of mind of okay now I've gone all digital I don't have to care anymore yeah I think where it gets trickier is that like a two terabyte hard drive to put in your PS4 Pro is mostly cheaper than a 250 oh no yeah technology the smaller it gets absolutely but it's still an added price that wasn't there at launch that I yeah no, totally, totally. totally. The moment. It's so, um, yeah, that, I'm interested that, that to see how all of this sort of like fleshes out because, you know, like I said, I would love to have just a bunch of games on that thing. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be in a scenario where I'm carrying the Nintendo Switch and a bunch of games and like charging cables and all this mm-hmm. other stuff. Yeah, I want this right. to be something I can just chuck Well, look at your 3DS, games. right? And yeah. how you yeah. have like a bunch of games on it. You went all digital on that one and it worked out for the most part. For, I, I think I hit the ceiling on that after like four years, you know, yeah. Yeah. Like, and it was with, uh, which, Xenoblade? The one that yeah, was well, like, that one was huge. It was the first game I installed and was like, oh, you're taking about like a quite possibly yeah. the biggest yeah. 3DS yeah. game I think. Yeah, I went all production. digital on 3DS and I have like 150, but, like something yeah. stupid amount of games. But that's it, so. the promise. The promise here is that you will get full-fledged console games and yeah. so once some companies will wake up and say, hey, this thing is pretty cool, let me port a 360 or a PS3 game to it, right. those weren't tiny either, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's going to start adding up when you get your Darksiders and all that kind of stuff. What I'll do is I'll probably put a bunch of digital games on there and then I'll mm-hmm. have like, there'll always just be one in the chamber, right? It'll be like, yeah. It'll, yeah. it'll be Skyrim Doom, or Zelda. 60 gig. Or, yeah. Whatever the big, yeah. one is. the big, big game stays in there. Yeah. And right. We're not even the, talking about Virtual Console yet, which is just that whole other black. No, but that's where yeah. that's going to be like, oh my God, like how many games do I have on this thing? Like it's going to be out of control. I well, feel you've, like read, you've so. read that thing of like, it's like a JPEG of the original Super Mario Brothers is a bigger file than the game Super Mario Yeah, Yeah, I love stuff like that. All right. So then Steve, Steven, we're going to end on you only because... 
we're, we're a little pressed for time, but okay. that doesn't mean rush. That just means take as long as you want. Okay. Um, so let's hear your, your roller coaster. You're good um, and you're bad. Yeah. So my good is we get more Nintendo games, mm. right? Uh, the Wii U was, was pretty rough, I think, for a lot. There's really good highlights, but you know, when you see what's coming out just from Nintendo for the Switch, you know, I'm really excited to play Zelda. I can't wait to play Super Mario Odyssey. There's a new Splatoon. Mm-hmm. There's just when you see that lineup and maybe what they could potentially do, um, just seeing more Nintendo games is always great for me. You know, yep. it's, uh, yep. and that's, that's the pre E three lineup, right? Yeah, right. You exactly. know, right. you know, they're going to announce the future oh, yeah. um, of the system and they haven't, we haven't even heard what, what retro is up to, right? Like right. there, there are more games coming obviously. Yeah. And there's yeah. other producers mm-hmm. who are conspicuously absent, yeah. like the guy who worked on, uh, um, Captain Toad. We haven't heard, seen or heard of a game from him yep. for a while. Mm-hmm. That's also the same guy who worked on NES Remix. Right. Um, there are other producers at Nintendo that I'm just curious to see when they surface. When Iguchi shows up and says, hey, Animal Crossing, here's the real story behind right. what we're doing mm-hmm. with that. Um, and hopefully... I mean, where, where's the where's the two the camera cam? <laughs> hopefully... P- Sean, right here. I mean, <laughs> please... Metroid. There's this game called, there's a series called Metroid that so many fans have been asking for. This is your time. This is it. Um, you announced Fire Emblem with a logo. You can't even hide behind. You don't. Have, we don't do logos. Yes, you do. <laughs> they don't seem to care about Metroid in Japan. Right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's just pretty clear. Because well, we, we need more uh, show hosts looking directly to the one shot camera. Right, uh-huh. that'll, right. that'll yeah. change. Yeah. The yeah. Yeah, if you look at it, it's like Kirby and Splatoon. Yep. Right, it's all over Japan. But yep. everything else was just it'll happen. It'll happen. It's so. it's it will happen. Yeah, and this, like, we gave you Kid Icarus and nobody bought it. Right, yeah. Just, yeah. That, you know yeah. they'll say things yep. like that. Right. Yep. Or we gave you this. The sun Metroid. comes up and the world still spins. Right. I'm waiting for this thing. Um, I'm the sun comes yeah. up and it's shaped like Kirby. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. And then he swallows it. Uh, <laughs> the I, I'm just yeah, you know, like you said. I, I want more Nintendo games. This, mm-hmm. this is now their team that is learning a new system, but yeah. it's not too big a leap, right? They've got all these new toys to play with and the hardware to, to Paris Point. So I'm excited. Well, and to your point, I hope this is more of an experimental Nintendo that like, hey, you took a chance on Splatoon and you nailed it. Like right. we all had our doubts going in when that game came out, how it was going to do. We definitely saw there was something special to it, but we didn't really grasp it until we spent a lot of time with it. And then like a lot of us t- sort of turned around and we're like, oh my God, this is, this is one of the best new IPs they've done in years. Right. We've seen um, other, I, I feel like, I hope ARMS is to some extent that game. What Splatoon yeah. was to shooters, I hope to some extent ARMS is to fighters, although they yeah. kind of have that already with, with Smash Brothers. That's right. kind of the problem. I don't know if you can win that uh, second time, but we'll see. Um, but I, mean, I just hope they will be more confident in trying new ideas and saying, you know what? Why not? Captain Toad can have his own video. Well, you it's not I mean? even like, you know, trying, right? It's like they have to, right? Yeah. They mm-hmm. have to take risks at this yeah. point um, if people are only, only going to buy Nintendo games. And, That's right. and I think, I mean, if you look at the Wii U 3DS era and you, you kind of add up all the games that were coming out between those two machines, right? If the Switch is is that kind of the merger of the handheld and the console lines. And I know the whole like, oh, we'll support 3DS. I've heard <laughs> that story before with the Game Boy too. But I am hoping that the Switch be- will become the console and handheld solution for most of their stuff. And then I hope the 3DS line will f- be faded out and they will bring back a Game Boy Advance as an all-digital device that's really tiny and flat and you just download classic GBA games yeah. to it for five bucks for playing on the go. Like something like that where you have the tiny device that will literally fit in into any pocket, and then the switch for the higher quality on the go and at home gameplay. I think we're going to see so many more games for that one device. Then you know, yeah. so I mean, 
it looks like they're you know definitely reaching into the library. So virtual console is probably going to be hopefully less archaic uh, yeah, or, or totally. as sort of random as it's been. And it's like yeah, we have like we saw what we didn't expect with the NES Classic. Yep. People are willing to to buy these games. Like let's start doing that with Super Nintendo and yeah. you know, N64 yeah. GameCube. Yeah. Make those especially, little yeah. digital handhelds. Well, especially yeah. because Take they introduced this console when they started getting down to the nitty gritty about it. With this right. has inherited all of our DNA in terms of all of our, our consoles, and that could be just marketing speak. But you know, you look at that device and you're like, man, if the GameCube game rumors are true, right. that's going to be a fun thing to have. On, like to just play Sunshine anywhere to play, although you'd be playing it again. But Wind Waker mm-hmm. at Zero GX would be awesome. Just saying, Metroid Prime. And a lot of people um, aren't playing it for the first time too. Yeah, right, no. like we always say yeah, that we're, we're going so to we're going to buy them again. Right? Yeah. The majority of people who play video games did not buy a Wii U. So don't mm-hmm. get me that don't don't give me that Mario Kart Eight on the go is not exciting because but, you've played it before. You haven't. But you know what's not going <laughs> to most make people it? have not probably a virtual console, and we haven't. It hasn't really dawned on us yet. Yeah. I don't think the Wii games make it. Mm-hmm. I know that the Joy-Con resemble right? the Wii because right. they do look somewhat like it. But if you think about that, most of those games are designed around a pointer. What are you pointing to? Oh man, I guess I'll have to remake Skyward Sword without any motion <laughs> controls. What will happen? Oh man, what a bummer! <laughs> but it's not. Please just do that. that. <laughs> but not just that one. Yeah, you, know, you have wacky stuff like smooth moves. Or, yep. I'm yep. sure Wii Sports will resurface in some right. way, right? I hope but, so. Um, I, I I would like to, to see plane, the Wii era survive in yes. some form, and I just don't think. I think some folks have the expectation that's going to happen, and it's not. Like, where's your sensor bar? Where's your pointer? Where, right. There's other factors here, and Nintendo is very timid when it comes to emulation, if you noticed how they really do mm-hmm. it. Right. right? They, don't, they don't take chances on things sometimes. Sometimes they won't even remake, oh my goodness, like won't re-release uh, Yoshi's Island. Yoshi's Island, what is the story there? Like Yoshi's Island no ran idea. on the Super FX chip, <laughs> and it is one of those games that will never be re-released, and it's also a classic, classic game. Mm-hmm. But because, for whatever reason... They don't, when it involves a little more hardware, they just like tiptoe away like, eh, we don't want people to have a bad experience. We'd rather focus on something else. I, mm-hmm. I feel like every new console they make or every new handheld they make, there's something in it that's sort of like, it's they all just get on the boat and they wave goodbye to some to, right. to a few things. Like, right? we'll see you. It's like, oh, bye, uh, yep. dual screen gaming. Like anything that ever worked on the 3DS will not work. Or, that, you know, really yeah. hinged on two screens. Right. Uh, even with the Wii U, a lot of games that were on Wii U, you can't just drag and drop over to the Switch without yeah. Yeah. them sort of like, I mean, even something like Star Fox would have to be be totally retooled yeah. so yeah. motion control games yeah, like yeah. A lot they'll have to adapt them like a, advanced wars designed for dual screens yeah, will have to be adapted like, yeah. Vert- or like portrait style Vertical. right yeah yeah, yeah, yeah ds games and that's yeah. what it. all right time for your bad let's okay, hear it uh, got? quickly on the bad um i really don't feel like we're gonna see a lot of third-party support um mm-hmm. for the switch uh you know they have to you know developers don't have a whole lot of money. De- development budgets are so high and for developing for the switch for a game that doesn't port to other systems or will sort of fare poorly against other games on the other systems, it's an investment, right? And, and yeah. I just don't see a lot of companies doing it. I, I hope that mm-hmm. you know they make development tools easier, and it, and you can you know you don't have to use this high fidelity graphics, so maybe you can do something there. But I, I just you know we saw what Bomberman and, yeah. and Street yep. Fighter, a couple other things, but. I, I just don't see that happening. Yeah, We're seeing or, or stuff we, like the last gen version of FIFA running and stuff yeah, like right. that. In that case, though, yeah, that, that's a. They haven't really said which FIFA's coming. Right. That's a great they point. Didn't um, yeah, they didn't make a year on it, right? Yeah, they right. put like a year on FIFA, it, and right. that sets up the whole like, wait, what's going on? Right. Um, I do think, though, that uh, on the conversely, if this thing does become a hit and if it does mm-hmm. sell well, those mm-hmm. budgets will get made. It's just on them to sort of make this thing a success. Yeah. Right. And for Nintendo to help it sell. And that's how they kept framing the Wii U. It was like, hey, 
chicken and egg, right? Like we mm-hmm. can't, if, if there's no install base, they don't come. They won't make games for it. Yeah. That's just yeah. the reality. And they've been touting a number. They keep saying, right. hey, 50 games in development, and that's great. But E3 is your proving ground for that. Mm-hmm. Right. For when third parties really start announcing what the rest of the year looks like, that's when you really got to start seeing some big brands, not every brand, right. but mm-hmm. some big brands end up on Wii U. But I if you mean, look at Switch, the, uh, uh, for the for original Wii, right? Huge install base, but yeah. a cash rate for third-party games was so low, yeah. right? I mean, mm-hmm. Ubisoft obviously made a bundle in the beginning, yeah. and then after that, just nobody bought games. They just bought Nintendo games. Because yeah. it was a, sort of the audience that was a very different audience that bought games. And yeah. like Carnival Games, you know, 2K yeah, yeah. was a humongous hit, mm-hmm. too, right? It was that kind of casual fare that succeeded. I, I mean, I, there is a chance that you will actually get a lot of third-party games, but they may not be the ones you want. They may be the last generation ports right yeah. and that can be a good thing when it's a fallout and you right. want to play fallout on the go and you you never jumped in or you know the first red dead redemption right but that's not going to excite people who have the new machines and have been with gaming for a long yeah. time right. like, oh, when titanfall yeah. 3 on this yeah thing. it's like yeah. that's yeah. not gonna happen and like i mean i was kind of ringing this bell a couple weeks ago and um I, it's it was one of my concerns about the power of the system and i think a, a lot of people misinterpreted it that i was like i want a third ps4 like i don't i do want something hmm. now this is their third system in a row where it's been hard more difficult and arduous for a third-party developer to sort of drag and drop a game or bring mm-hmm. something over without it taking a few hits here and there. Um, if you look at stuff, stuff like uh, like Splinter Cell, which uh, came to Wii U, um, completely nixed the entire online mode, which is like a major focus of that game. Oh, they're and, really good with the online, yeah. Yeah, and it was really good. And I played it on Wii U, and I enjoyed the single-player stuff, but when I finished it, I was like, oh, there's nothing left here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, you, but, you but, run into those kind of issues. I think, sure. I think mm-hmm. where, where this will succeed is the idea of something being portable, which yeah. is the advantage that none of the other consoles have no and i and i do mm-hmm. think and maybe you guys will disagree with me but i don't think there is value in nintendo being the third platform to be identical to the other two no i don't see a ton of value in that scenario either if this were a more powerful box i think that's I, what i don't core, i think that's what core fans wanted they want but i don't think there's and, a reality and i think that's the argument from people who are probably would have never bought a nintendo machine when they look at it they say ah, why would i buy this? this is not as powerful as my playstation 4 right, right. like i think there was still that hope but like yeah that that doesn't make a ton of sense right like the 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 gamecube and uh competed not on even grounds in a lot of ways either because the disc was smaller yeah. right like certainly but, but had the online, but it was yeah. closer to yeah. the other machines and some games actually like time splitters ran better on that yep. machine than on the others mm-hmm. um but that didn't help that machine succeed because yeah. it was the third machine out there. And so then it comes down to marketing and, and system image. And so I don't think a Nintendo machine would ever work as the more powerful version of the PS4. I just don't well, think I, I they just, can succeed I in that Xbox market. I think Xbox and right. Sony are toe-to-toe on third-party yeah. yeah. games. Like, what's the difference? You right. know, the, the first-party yeah. offering pretty much. And even then, like, I, I just don't see enough distinction between the two anymore. And that always kind of bothers me. No, like, but what, it's, which do I pick? It's just, it, what I think it does is it, it presents a scenario where the console just looks better as a whole because there's more options yeah, and more things right. to play on it. When Nintendo isn't knocking out the park every two or three months with a new game, mm-hmm. um, sometimes less, sometimes more, yeah. it gives you stuff to play in between. You need and a I bunt. Think, yeah. You need a, you you need yeah, a yeah. single. And I think the expectations <laughs> were sort of set up by Nintendo themselves when they first showed us back in October that big splash screen of all the logos of different third parties working on this thing, right. yep. we immediately said to ourselves, oh, that looks like something you would see for the PS4 or the Xbox. Like, this mm-hmm. thing's getting major third-party support. Right. Fla- uh, fast forward to now, and you have 
companies like Ubisoft, which I think are taking a very sort of timid approach with it. Very uh, unusual yeah. for Ubisoft. Yeah, yeah. Right. Ubisoft unless usually they're saving one with like yeah. a ton of stuff, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. Unless yeah. there's something yeah. in the background they're just saving to E3 or saving for Maybe. the future. Right. Right. Maybe I they're just like, that. let's get out of the way for, of Nintendo for this uh, Switch for announce launch. and yeah. then yeah. You know, at E3. We'll show up and say, hey, September, boom. It's also, again, the tech is sort of not necessarily holding back the vision that I think third parties have, but it is impacting the way that they present their games. If you look at a game like Steep, which is an always online game mm-hmm. they talked about recently uh mm-hmm. how the ubisoft games wh- why why the decision to bring those specific games rayman mm-hmm. steep and what was the third one uh just, just dance, dance. Just to to the switch and they said you know like with uh, these games you can bring them anywhere and with the, with the ste- with steep you know you can go all over your home yeah and it was like oh wait a minute <laughs> so that's right this won't be online all the time because right. this doesn't have its own data uh so it basically will work on Wi-Fi. So now you're all immediately looking at games that hinge a lot on multiplayer aspects, mm-hmm. online multiplayer aspects, mm-hmm. and going, well, you pretty much have to be tethered to a stable Wi-Fi, and that's just going to impact the decisions yeah, yeah, that yeah. I think yeah, people yeah. have bringing, the, bringing yeah, it's, their games. It's different sure, developing. Sure. I mean, even even mobile games, like the, these devices, are always, just these devices are always on, but yeah, like right. people don't want to eat up your data, yeah. so they will design around that, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's really interesting. The, the logo, the, the promenade of logos in the beginning, you see Capcom, you're like, ooh, Resident Evil 7. And it's like no, it's no, Street Fighter 2 okay. right like no. they are they're definitely like the oh, early sure. whammies but too. and yeah. and that game looks really fun and it will bring back great memories but yeah. I think we'll have to wait till E3 to see whether there is a second step that shows something more current that's, and new that's the proving ground yeah. for third party I think and that has to show and signal that future all right so let's then move on uh, to round three we're going to be talking right. to so Steve Steven Steven our good friend Steven is a uh, has been collecting video games for a very long time and we talked to him about uh, that on this uh, program but today he brought some special some special stuff I did and he brought some cool stories so is get it ready a switch for that. Uh, no, no yeah no. i'm gonna switch things up uh okay so <laughs> to 1986 to, this is 1986 <laughs> uh, i guess I'll, we can hand these off all right take a look okay so what so are we holding these one. look like regular nintendo nes black box games uh kind of that you bought on the nes launch sure What's special about them is the white sticker that's in the middle of all three. Um, and the sticker says, Nintendo V Magnavox 86C1606, liability damages. Wow. So these were actually used in <laughs> the awesome. court case of <laughs> Nintendo V Magnavox on the patent infringement um, that Magnavox basically leaned on for many, many years. In fact, mm-hmm. it was uh, litigation like this that kind of killed Mediagenic to where Bobby Kotick could come in, buy it, and turn it into Activision. Wow. Like, this is a very wide-ranging patent. And they took awesome. him to court because... Because uh, it, it was uh, Ralph Baer um, mm-hmm. actually had developed... Father of video the games. The father of video yeah, games, yeah, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so they were called. granted patents that basically said, like, displaying uh, electronic signals on a television and things like collision, um, you know, the, registering those so they're they it's basically all video games have mm-hmm. elements of that and you know sanders associates which ralph bear worked for um you know they licensed that to magnavox and then phillips and they just took everybody to court right atari famously wow. settled because they didn't have enough money to um engage in the litigation right so these uh, what happens uh is the lawyers for magnavox went out and they bought these games they bought a system 
And they gave it to Ralph Baer and yeah. basically said, like, okay, where are they infringing on patents? And so I have the, <laughs> the testimony of Ralph Baer. I didn't bring it. Um, but he basically <laughs> so writes cool. down notes on, like, here's all the places where they're using, like, the different patents, and here's why we'll win. Um, and so in court, these were used as exhibits. Yeah, they're um, all tagged with different uh, letters on them, and they were noted in the court the f- law. Yeah, they're, they're all noted evidence. So yeah. how, how, did you, say, did how did you get how did this? this get out? Right. <laughs> how, how did this, this get, get out? out right? Did you steal this from, like, the basement of the police station <laughs> in, the, in the wire? Well, like, these this are, is these like are le- civil cases, right? So okay. they're not criminal. So they're, they're, I didn't have to, like, break into a police station. <laughs> no mission <laughs> impossible. Right? Yeah, like, exactly. Yes, like, I'm picturing, like, that scene in Breaking Bad where they magnetize everything in that room. Oh, yeah. That was so good. A little too much information, Brian. Um, no, so uh, really what happened here was uh, there was an author who had worked with Ralph Bayer on his biography. Okay. Um, and during that collaboration, um, Ralph Bayer gave him this and, and a bunch of other things. Okay. Right? Uh, and then eventually that, um, that writer had to sell uh, his collection. So what happened was there was an original, one of these games showed up on eBay um, and I missed it. Actually, I found out after the fact. I'm like, what is that sticker? And then we're digging in and finding out more. Did the seller know what he had? The seller knew what they had, right? It it went for a lot of money. I think it was like an Excite bike or something. Um, And so. A lot of money is what? uh, I think it went for eight grand, something like that. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. (laughs) That's a lot of switches. These are are, basically, these are things that I'm, I'm just. Every once in a while, I look at it, it's like, why is this in my collection? This is so crazy to own. Uh-huh. Um, and so what happened was we found out that, that that writer was in France, and he was selling through an auction house. Um, and so it was a live auction uh, in Paris. And his name was Ralph Lebet. Yeah, it was, uh, I, I do know his name. I'm <laughs> Wait, not going to share did you go to now, the auction? But, yeah. Uh, so I, I was like, can I fly to Paris and be part of it? But I found out I could be a phone bidder. Ah. You were the guy um, on the phone? So I was, it, it, you know when you see like the, the movie scenes, like yeah. I'm phone bidder. I think I was that guy and <laughs> I felt like great and weird at the same time. Yeah. I'm like, I, I'm the phone bidder and I knew I had to win them. Mm-hmm. Right. So, francs. Yeah. So, I mean, this, I, I had to first get someone on the phone who spoke like strong English yeah. um, because he had to relay things to me because all the audio was French. Right. Every, everything was in French and yeah. lot numbers and everything. So, um, and I had my catalog and I had everything circled and, you know, bids are coming in fast. So I'm like yelling things out in Euro um, and ended up winning the the games that were for sale that auction, and then there was another one where the rest of them went for sale. Wow! Um, What's the total count that you got? So I, I have um, I'm missing five of the games, um, and those I, are the ones you missed. Those are the ones I missed um, in that first lot. But I have everything else, and I also have, for instance, Ralph Bear's testimony from that mm-hmm. trial. Um, there's a lot of folded. Uh, flat boxes and everything Man, else. You're missing five. This is like the most expensive gotcha game ever. Right, yeah. <laughs> well, so actually, I am, um, I'm part of the Video Game History Foundation, and mm-hmm. one of the things we're doing is uh, preservation and, and uh, archival. Uh, like Basically allowing academics, if they want to study artifacts like this, how can we make that happen? So yep. uh, mm-hmm. these are all going to a museum. In fact, my entire collection is being donated uh, to different museum projects. We're working on, you know, someone wants to know, give me every review of this game, like Super Mario 3, and we have all the paperwork 
uh, to support that. So, so cool. that's yeah. the stuff we're working on now. Really, really cool. Um, and so the other thing I brought was uh, this. Ooh, it, it's a T-shirt, um, and I'm going to hand it over. Uh, so uh, oh, for those of you just listening to the audio, it's a black T-shirt, and it's got Rob on the front uh, in pink. It's a hand drawing of Rob. Rob the robot with pink eyes, which with is pink eyes. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then on the back uh, is really part. the important part. It says, A Star is Born, New York City, October 9th, 1985. Um, so this was a T-shirt that in, Nintendo employees wore at a party before the FAO Schwartz launch um, in New York City. Oh my God! So wow. that's so cool. Yeah, and uh, so we knew about the. Th- this is one of those like piecing everything together. Uh, uh, Blake Harris, when he was writing yeah. his book, he found an invite to the party. So it, like, in it says, you know, uh, celebrate Rob's birthday, right? And and you know. Uh, and so here's the event in New York City. And Frank Cifaldi has a pin that mm-hmm. basically has that image on it. And then I found the shirt. Um, mm-hmm. And the shirt was actually as part of a, a whole different lot where you're like, that's a weird looking Nintendo shirt. And you can't see the back, right? Yeah. Um, and so picking it up and then you flip it around like, wait a minute. Like, <laughs> now we have, we have a piece of you know, basically pre-NES um, launch uh, material. So, yeah, that's like one of the it, it, like the earliest pieces of Nintendo of America swag, right? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there, there's another piece actually that's uh, that was the summer CES shirt that I also have. Mm. Um, and pre E3, pre E3, right? Yeah. So the, these are the first two pieces, and then the AVS brochure that shows the different looking NES. So I have that one as was well. That the knitting brochure too. Yeah. Now you're knitting with power. Yeah. yeah that, that, that was thing a thing. Yeah. That was a thing. So <laughs> one of the funniest things I think is uh, in uh, Nintendo uh, World in New York City. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have the display of all the historical like yeah. prototypes and There's things like that. There's a piece in there that isn't something a lot of folks recognize that I've heard people the talk about. The roller controller? I think so. I yeah. think that was it. Talk well, about, yeah. The, yeah, so there's there's a couple things there. There's a roller controller, which is really odd looking. Mm-hmm. The NES, uh, the console itself is different because it's clearly a mock-up. And then the uh, controller ports are turned. Um, mm-hmm. So they're they're, they're vertical mm-hmm. instead of horizontal or horizontal instead of vertical. Um, but the other funny thing is they have an AVS brochure in there, and there's a post-it note that says uh, the only one in existence. And then I posted it on Twitter. I'm like, well, there's actually another one. <laughs> it's in our collection. So it's right here. It's right here. And, and so um, you know, Frank Cifaldi has been doing a great job restoring that, uh, you know, scanning and restoring it. Well, the physical artifact is going to be uh, obviously going to a museum project as well. So yeah, that's so yeah. cool. Yeah. An interesting side note for folks: um, if if you're unfamiliar with uh, why Rob was so important, and thereby on the front of that T-shirt, it had a lot to do with how Nintendo decided to introduce the console uh, when they decided to sort of resurrect and, and bring back the video game business. Because remember, video games were over; it was considered a fad. Yeah. And here's Nintendo going, "Hey, video games are cool again." And the way they kind of did that was first they made it look like what was essentially a VCR to some extent. It looked right. like sort of a home electronic, like a, like an almost an appliance or just a thing that you would put in an entertainment center yep. and it would fit well. No wood paneling. Right. Yeah, but then the second thing was a robot. And the robot being like the future, ooh, I hit the mic cord. Uh, I'm going to say it again, the future of, right. of sort of entertainment. And right. they build it all on this robot, which unfortunately didn't really work as well as they'd hoped. But it, it got the attention. TVC. And it got them into toy stores. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so FAO Schwartz, yeah. like famously, yeah. Nintendo basically made the deal with FAO Schwartz saying like, we will buy back anything that's unsold. And they had their employees in New York City basically in the store 
just selling the console, right? right? For, um, for our European listeners, FAO Schwartz was it actually shut down, right? The yes, franchise. it was short, yeah. It was a big toy toy store chain, like specialty toy store. You can see it in the movie Big. When oh, man. Yeah, Tom Hanks dancing on the, uh, dances around That's on the piano. Yeah. He's I not was, kidding. Uh, it's no. specialty store store. It was like a, a, a toy oh, store. Yeah. It was a light way of putting it. Like, you walk in as a kid. Disneyland. It was, just, yeah. it was Disneyland. It was train sets. It was wall-to-wall displays. Yeah. Of, no, it was, it was like we're like the sons and daughters of like Saudi Francisco shopping. Yeah, yeah. If you're like giraffe yeah, yeah, like, like ten thousand giraffe <laughs> to bring home yeah. now i was right. i was actually there a couple years ago i guess right before it closed not knowing it was closing mm-hmm. down mm-hmm. um and i was in new york recently just kind of like walking around with my wife being like i really want to go to like one of those big toy stores yeah. and they shut down toys r us times square oh wow and they shut down feo schwartz so there's really no big like big box yeah. toy stores in new york city yeah. anymore can but. still hear that song too that welcome, welcome to our yeah. world yeah, welcome yeah, right. to our world it's of awesome. toys their video game section i remember going once as a little kid into the actual nintendo section there and mm-hmm. it was it was incredible. It's awesome, it was, and they like trains driving around yeah, it was everywhere. Just, it was like, just yeah. unbelievable. It was it was like being in a but like, yeah they in a movie. Yeah. That was I mean they managed to make a relationship with a high profile t- uh, toy seller like right. that right and at a time when everybody said no video game machines are poison right oh yeah and they yeah. did it smart by starting in New York and focusing the effort right yeah. it was mm-hmm. like hey if we can make it here we can make it anywhere was right. sort of the mentality <laughs> exactly. right yeah the New York so motto what's in- what's great about this shirt is it has the date on it mm-hmm. right because yeah, yeah. there's a lot of there was you know, people forget it's like was it like a tuesday or was it like a thursday where Mm -hmm. we were on the and then this helps kind of set all right well we had that party on a saturday and we knew it was a couple days later so we were able to narrow down like the exact dates how how funny that it's so hard to find out the date of something that seems so close we don't know what the official release date of super mario brothers yeah yeah Um, yeah yeah, i mean like frank has narrowed it down um but there's no specific release date yeah and this has a lot there's one review Right, it was That's those right. those women who were right, doing like a video distribution uh-huh. newsletter is basically the only published review of Super Mario Brothers. Did they yeah. like it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like, oh, well, the <laughs> funny thing is, like in features, it's like features A, you know, jump, B, run, and start pauses. Right, like, yeah. like they're actually calling stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So, the earliest video game yeah. criticism, but you it's can a great, find. I think this thing though is a great reminder as to how stunty Nintendo was and how clever yeah. in getting people to talk about their machines. And you know what ultimately worked for the Wii was people seeing people use the controller, and like mm-hmm. that's the gamble here, right? Like when they present the Switch, just the motion of taking it out and right. docking the thing and putting the control controllers on has that kind of cool toy factor again right i'm really curious to see what what people will think once they actually see it because there are no commercials running or anything yeah well it's a cool part of i think that company's sort of identity in the video game space Mm -hmm. you know you you definitely see among uh the the competitors the the folks who the other companies that make games there is Mm -hmm. sort of a a slant towards the, the the mature the the more um in some ways something that kind of sticks with you after you're done like the meaningful kind of thing and that's not to diminish Nintendo games but I think mm-hmm. Nintendo games advantage is inclusion yeah. I think it is very much like that ability to kind of scale really well in some cases something like 1-2-Switch was just wacky or something like Wii Sports or just like video games when they jump started video games again just mm-hmm. I think they stumbled on that by accident but I still think they got it right those mm-hmm. games were nothing like arcade games they weren't out to like make you insert another quarter or make you like frustrated in the moment to like stay at the machine um, it, it was a little different I felt even though some were really hard too, like to be fair. Um, but I, I just think that that's a unique spark of the company as a whole and something that they get and something that they do well. And when they get it right, they do really well. And when they get it wrong, we all end up frowning. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we, we, we talk a lot about the games in Nintendo's history. You know, 
litigation is unfortunately a big part of Nintendo's history, right? Mm-hmm. They've been involved in a lot of lawsuits. They lost this one, um, and they lost a, a, another summary judgment against Magnavox. So mm-hmm. uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see how it shapes things going forward. You know, there's, there's still a lot of like motion control lawsuits going on, mm-hmm. um, but you know, it, there's the games, and then there's how did the company get to where it was, this is when Nintendo was scrappy, right? They had to mm-hmm. you know, have employees, like half the, the entire staff was in New York trying to sell a parent and a kid on an NES directly, right? Yeah, and and yeah. look where they are now. Well, and, and uh, you mentioned uh, his name, but Frank Cifaldi, who uh, was a former journalist who now uh, sort of works with you on Yeah, so he's cool our, our CEO and founder. Uh, yeah. So we are a nonprofit, right? Okay. And he's doing a lot of our archival work right now. We'll have more things to announce in the next couple of weeks, um, but we're really trying to get all this information and, and these artifacts out to people. We don't want to re- run a museum, um, but it all belongs in a museum. Yeah. Belongs in a museum. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I almost feel terrible because I wasn't sure how much you wanted me to say yet about the historical yeah. society. So I was just like, yeah, Steve collects games. And I'm just like, you idiot. Like, he does so much more than that. Uh-huh. Like, you're a student of history and, and you definitely are united with people who care about preserving it. And that's, that's very important because, like, not knowing the date of Super Mario Brothers truthfully is the result of paper records and of yep. like poorly kept paper records mm-hmm. at that yeah. and like now in this age of digital like everyone's like racing to preserve what they can because stuff is disappearing yeah and that's stuff sad pe- people are, are dying um, yeah. so we're trying to get oral histories and, and get stories uh, from the people who were there mm-hmm. and a lot of times they forget so yeah. we can have documentation and really help set the table. It's like, yeah. this is where you were, here's who you're working with, um, and all this paper and, and everything really helps us. You know, we talked about whenever companies move offices, yeah. those were always the times where, where things just, huge boxes just got thrown and, right. And think about it, this we're talking about one of the biggest successes in gaming, like yeah. a huge game, and the records are lost. Yeah. Now go into your Vectrexes and Fairchild Channel exactly. Fs and in your Apple Pippins and all these devices that many people have never heard of, right? right. Where records are being lost every year. Right. Um, and I, I, it struck me when Mike, uh, Mike, Mike, a good mm-hmm. friend of yours, took, I think he took the, the pieces of the building, the Atari building, because it was being torn oh, yeah. down. So I was part of that. We were <laughs> climbing were under too. the fence uh, to, to grab pieces of the destroyed Atari building <laughs> wow. in Sunnyvale. Uh, yeah. And then yeah. you guys stole rocks. Yeah, we stole rocks, basically. <laughs> yeah. But I have this big chunk of concrete that I have a story I can tell <laughs> so, uh, when, I, when I have that's that. That's my favorite thing about whenever you're on the show and you bring something, because there's always this fun story waiting at the end of it. Uh, so I'm really grateful and glad yeah. that you were able to come out. I'm glad to be here. What can you tell folks about the future for this historical society? Like, is there things, are there things coming? Things are coming. Um, We're kind of, right now we're still doing a lot of our uh, paperwork. We are an official 501c3, which is a a nonprofit organization uh, in the United States. We're working on things like soliciting donations. Um, Like I said, my entire collection is going through the foundation um, and we're kind of learning, you know, this is an endless quest, right? That there's no end to what we could, could potentially co- go through and, mm-hmm. and write about. So we're trying to, to do some focusing there. Um, and you know, we're on gamehistory.org, which is you know, a great URL, uh, gamehistory.org on Twitter, and then you know, following myself, Frank, uh, Mike, Simon, and, and Chris on, uh, on Twitter. Um, we're trying to just share some of the things we find, and then we'll kind of bring that all together and, and share more in a couple weeks. Excellent. That's awesome, man. Yeah. I, again, super grateful you were able to make the time and, and uh, sort of just bring us a little closer to this stuff. I think we we really appreciate it because we were oh, there, yeah. right? Like yeah. we're the target audience, I think. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, whereas maybe some younger uh, folks watching the show, I'm not sure if you care as much, but I encourage you to uh, yeah. because this is very important to this this industry that we I care about too. so much. Yeah. yeah.
Sweet. All right. Well, that's our show. Um, next week, we're going to have to talk about some question box questions. I know some of you have been emailing us and talking to us, and we definitely want to uh, address those questions, but we'll get to it. And, you know, thank you for listening to Nintendo Voice Chat. And if you are listening to the podcast audio version is saying, man, I wish I can see these things. In fact, you can uh, just go to YouTube.com slash Nintendo Voice Chat. We actually have a, a new production going on. We got a nice set. We got a lot. We're making moves here on Nintendo Voice Chat. Um, and really quickly, thanks for watching. Leave us a review. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you think of the show or email us at mvc at ign.com. We always want to hear your feedback. So uh, really quick, let's talk about uh, Twitter handles. How, where can they find you on the internet? And make sure you plug your websites again. Oh. You first, Stephen. Uh, Stephen P. Lynn on Twitter, stevelin.com and gamehistory.org. All right. And Brian I'm at Agent Bizzle, and you can find me on IGN.com. Nice. I didn't know that. Holy yeah, yeah, yeah. Crazy. What about you, GM <laughs> Supreme? Uh, I'm Pierre IGN on Twitter. You can also find me on Facebook, and you can find me on IGN by leaving uh, a nice comment somewhere, and I'll find it, and I'll respond. Sweet. All right. And uh, you can find myself, Jose underscore Otero. Thank you so much for listening, watching, and we'll be back next week with more Nintendo Voice Chat. Bye. there this is justin bartha i made a funny new podcast king of the egg cream it has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like lewis black i'm torn by my feelings for two women bobby cannavale you can eat it or if someone hits you you can put it on your cut melanie linsky i wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet jason ritter i can break things and pick locks and kill people michael stuhlbarg the whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better ari grainer no don't whet its appetite what are you an idiot me justin martha that's not just any egg cream that's a lemke's special and all narrated by the hilarious richard kind this is the story of harry dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.